Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, and boy, I love that song to start off the show, to get you pumped up. Welcome to Jonathan in the chat room right now, and I apologize for the the later-than-normal start, but we are here. The show will go on, and waiting on Trey to call in. He'll be here momentarily, but welcome, everyone, and thanks for joining us. It is the show before Christmas, and wow, we had a lot of surprises today from Santa Claus. The NFL playoff pitcher, when everybody thinks they have it figured out, all of a sudden you look up and, and it's total pandemonium. And again, Jonathan, welcome in the chat room. Trey's in the chat room, so he'll be coming in in a moment. But wow, we're going to talk a lot of NFL tonight. We're only going to stay on between 30 minutes and an hour. It just depends on how we're rolling, who's calling in. Call in number 646-716-5564, and I believe we have our co-host, Trey Patterson. What's up, Trey? Hey, buddy. How's it going, man? What's happening? Oh, nothing much. Congratulations on you beating me in the Super Bowl today. It was probably the lowest scoring day of the year for me, so congratulations. And you, too. You didn't light it up either. Well, I still got four players playing, Tarvin. It could get nasty before it gets gets, before it's over, Tarvin, but... Thanks for the for it's a it's a bit long drought for the uh, the predators uh, of our fantasy football league, Tarvin. I have been without a championship for quite a while, Tarvin. I think since the very first year of the league, 2001. It's a long drought, Tarvin. Well, the officials cost me today, man. Or I'd be in there right with you. So <laughs> uh, it's uh, 12 years, Tarvin. It's a long way for me to go from from winning this league. So I, I think I think I was about due, buddy. Well, congratulations again, and you had a good little team. We both kind of limped in the playoffs. We were we were doing okay, Trey, but you won it. My hat's off, and I guess I'm the first loser. So that's what second place is. So I hope you had a great weekend, and thanks for joining me late, Trey. We have a lot to cover in a short time, but let's start off in the NFL. Forget the order of games. Let's just talk right now a minute. Um, I was ready to throw in the towel on Carolina today, Trey watching the play calling, watching the execution. But the defense, to me, when I watched this game today, saved the day. And I don't know about you if you were watching, but what did you think of the coach's uh, decision to punt the football on fourth and five with two minutes left in the game, giving it back to Drew Brees and that offense? Ballsy call, smart call, dumb call, what, Trey? Well, I think it was a, it was a gutsy call, but I mean, the the best part about the Panthers team is their defense. So, I mean, he put the ball in a position where their defense can make a play, uh, and he trusted them. And I think that's the right call. I mean, you trust your best unit or your best player. And, I mean, that's what the coaching staff did with the Panthers, and they trusted the best unit. That's the defense. And what they do, they came up huge, and they gave Cam Newton a chance to actually, you know, redeem himself for some of his throws in the game, and he came across, and he threw that ball really well down the field in that last drive, Tarvin, to win the game. But what happened? Tell me. I mean, Cam Newton, he went down the first drive. He threw that pick in the red zone. After that, what happened? Was the loss of Steve Smith so great that, that he couldn't complete a pass? Uh, or was it, I mean, was it the wet ball? Was it the weather? What, Trey? Because he looked terrible. Cam Newton looked terrible uh, today during that game for almost 60 minutes. So for 58 minutes, he looked, or 59 minutes, he looked like crap. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, he's been inconsistent at times this year. Uh, it's like he gets blocked on the one read, and I think when Steve Smith went out, uh, he, he wasn't walking through progressions. And that's what I saw was he'd look left and he'd throw left. I mean, uh, there wasn't mm-hmm. a whole lot of, you know, going from one receiver to two receiver to three or check down or whatever. So, you know, he's not the only guy in the NFL who had that big problem today. I mean, Matt Flynn for the Packers had a huge, huge problem with that today. Uh, but it happens. I mean, the weather probably played, a, you know, some, some uh, you know, you'd say some part of it. But, I mean, I think the biggest part of it was maybe he relies on Steve Smith and him leaving uh, really caught him off guard. Yeah, but what a 
phenomenal job, and we'll break down this game in a minute, by the Carolina Panther defense. Trey, as long as they were on the field, it seemed like every time you looked, they were on the on the field trying to make a stop. How did Carolina play four quarters of defense? I mean, that's hard to do in the NFL, but they seemed like they got stronger as the game went on. Well, I mean, they're they're uberly talented. I, I think, I mean, what did uh, Luke Keekley he had what, 25 tackles, I mean, in the rain. I mean, that defense is talented. I mean, they got guys who get after the ball. They got um, – they got guys who just are tremendous. I mean, you know, Charles Johnson on that, that front that front line. I mean, Tarvin, these guys are very, very good. I mean, they're championship quality good, that defense is. It is, but without Steve Smith, just just say Steve Smith is not back for the rest of the season. What, what chances do you give this Carolina team of actually winning a playoff game, much less just going to the Super Bowl? Well, I mean, you're really going to have to see Cam Newton play uh, much, much, much higher of a caliber game. I mean, they have decent receivers. I mean, for the first time, that offense does not look anemic. I mean, uh, Cam Newton makes bad decisions at times, but they have some talent. I mean, Ted Ginn has really found a resurgent home. I mean, the guy's open down the field. If you watch him run routes, he looks like he's starting to run routes a little cleaner. You know, Brandon LaFell, who's a guy who I think you've been watching for a while, probably, and it seems like he's matured a lot, so... I mean, they still don't have a receiver, you know, like A.J. Green on this team. I mean, they do have guys who, who finally are starting to put some talent uh, together for Cam Newton to throw the ball down the field to. Well, Cam has led his team, Trey. And I'm going to say led it because when he was losing, you know, everybody was blaming him for the defensive collapses the last couple of years. But he's led his team to an 11-4 and record. And, you know, there's one more game that stands in the way for them winning this division, and it's at Atlanta next Sunday, so I think I'll be there maybe to go watch the Falcons play the Panthers, but how do the Panthers rebound after a game like this? I mean, the Falcons would like nothing more than just uh, screw up their season, or maybe they hate the Saints so much, the Falcons, that is, that they let Carolina walk through. Well, I mean, here's the thing is the Falcons have been pretty terrible all year. You know, without uh, Julio Jones, it's been amazing how much of an offense has just completely collapsed. I don't see them being a much of a threat. I mean, we'll have to see how much Carolina is motivated for this game or how much they think they're going to walk through it. But, man, Tarvin, I just don't think that this is a Falcons team who's playing hungry like some of these teams are, like, say, Pittsburgh, who are, isn't going to make the playoffs and who are playing outside their mind, uh, really trying to break other seasons. I mean, even the Giants today, Tarvin, I mean, you look at their teams outside of the playoffs who are still playing very, very hungry football. Uh, I don't see that kind of desire in the Falcons. Yeah, I just don't either. I think they want a better draft pick, so they're gonna they're gonna stink it up a little bit, Trey. But we can't. I should have started off the show with this. How rude of me! But the greatest quarterback of all time today, Trey, broke a touchdown record for a single season, fifty-one. Thoughts on Peyton Manning at his age getting this record? I mean, a thirty-seven, thirteen route of the Texans. That's not a surprise, Trey. But are you surprised that Peyton Manning, two years removed from that neck injury? is breaking Tom Brady's record. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I have to be a little surprised. Absolutely, Tarvin. I mean, I, I think all of us um, expected him to come back and not be, you know, maybe as good, but not necessarily better. Uh, he's been better. I mean, he's been amazing this year. And he has. And But this Denver team, Trey, and we'll talk about this when we break down their game. I'm very concerned about them going into the playoffs. It just seems like the team's gotten softer as the year's gone on. The injuries are mounting. I mean, the best thing about it, they will be the number one seed in the AFC and have home field advantage. But, Trey, this team is very vulnerable considering how some of the other teams in the AFC are getting hot right now. It seems like Denver's taking a step back. Well, I mean, yeah, their offense is certainly a little bit different now that uh, some of their receivers are going down, Tarvin. But, I mean, you know, the, what I like about Denver is the rushing attack seems to getting to be more dynamic. I mean, they're not putting up, you know, gaudy numbers because they're still throwing the football way, you know, way too much. But, I mean, Sean Moreno has been has been quietly, you know, very, very effective. And then Monte Ball is a guy who they've been working in, a rookie, and he's been looking better and better. So I think, Tarvin, this is could be – a more balanced team going in the playoffs if they want to be. Uh, obviously, uh, I think they're going to put the ball in Peyton's hands and see what happens no matter no matter who they have out receiver. But 
I think they could be more balanced than they really wanted to be. Well, just like Jonathan said in the chat room, Peyton Manning's 266 yards away from breaking Breeze's record for most passing yards in a season. Are they going to allow him to play next week, uh, Trey, to be able to do this? If he plays a half, can he throw for 266 or 267? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I don't think – Necessarily, they're worried about records. Honestly, I think Peyton wants a wants a ring, and I think that's more important. And I don't know if they're going to run him out there to get injured. I really don't. Well, man, let's let's waste no time, Trey. Let's start our, our games right now. Our number six game. You had a tough list again, as usual, Trey. So you skipped the show the other night and leave me with a hard list to go through. And I changed one of my picks and lost it because I changed it. So. Game number six, the Chicago Bears, eight and six, Trey. I don't know what's with their division, but nobody can win a football game, it seems like, against the Eagles. Everybody thought the Eagles, the eight and six Eagles, after the Cowboys won tonight, Trey, would kind of back off a little bit and not not really try to play since the championship will, will be decided next weekend. But they're up 24 to nothing on the Bears midway through the second quarter, Trey. I mean, it, are the Eagles a dangerous team right now to play next weekend if you're Dallas? Because this team looks pretty good. Yeah, I mean, and this sort of brings up the NFC North. I mean, they are just all, all those teams uh, playing like they don't want to win. I mean, they're and you look at the Bears; they had a shot with the Lions and Packers losing today to step up in that division. I mean, they just you know the, the Eagles came in like a buzzsaw. I mean. Nick Foles uh, has been amazing. I think at one point he was 11 for 13 with two touchdowns. Uh, so, I mean, the Eagles, is, I think a team that, you know, that game's going to be, the, I think, the Sunday night game, the Eagles-Cowboys. Um, yeah, the Cowboys have been playing way too um, poorly against bad teams, Tarvin. The Eagles are looking pretty darn good. Yeah, I mean, here we have Philadelphia right now is, is a team that you really don't want to play. They're starting to click in Dallas. My gosh, we're going to talk about them in a few minutes, but the, you talked about the North, the Detroit Lions, Trey. What is it with Matthew Stafford and his team? They can't finish in the fourth quarter. They turn the ball over and give away games. That's four or five games they've given away in the fourth quarter. You give three of those wins back, they're, they're a lot to win this division. So I don't know. Who's going to win it, Trey? I have no idea. I don't even want to predict it. Yeah, I mean, your, your guess is as good as mine. I mean, I think it's pretty sure that it's not going to be the Packers, but, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I'll default with my on my pick to start off the, the season, which is the Bears. But man, I mean, Tarvin, who really, I mean, who really wants it? I mean, every one of these teams is playing just terrible football right now. I mean, you just can't say that any of these teams is playing like a playoff caliber team. Yeah, it's not going to matter which team gets into the playoffs straight. It's going to be one and done. Uh, I just really, it doesn't even matter. I don't even think we should discuss it. That's how how bad this division is. But let's move on to game number five, the New England Patriots trade. And I said it on the show Wednesday. I thought Tom Brady was angry. I mean, he was very upset after the last week's loss. Who did they play? Was it Miami they lost to last week? He was fuming. And and all he did was go on the road to Baltimore, Trey, put up 41 points in a 41-7 route of Baltimore. I mean, this has to be surprising to you seeing New England go on the road and do this to Baltimore because this time of year, Baltimore usually weasels their way into the playoffs, but it's not looking too hopeful. Yeah, I was actually pretty shocked, Tarvin. I think Baltimore in this game, thinking that they would play well, thinking that this would be one of those watershed games that they seem to always have this time of the year. And, man, they just, I mean, this is one of those games that, uh, I mean, a couple defensive touchdowns late made this game, you know, a little bit more, um, I guess, dramatic than it was between the score. I mean, Chandler Jones, and that was a, um, another cutting down on that was, you know, on Tyrod Taylor, I think. But, yeah, I mean, this is, it was a crazy game how well uh, the Patriots just completely obliterated uh, the Ravens, which kind of showed that they've been a paper tiger all year long, you know, playing inconsistent football, and you just can't do that. And the Patriots, Tarvin, I, I, thought, I thought they were ready to lose a game like this, but they were, you know, especially after that loss last week, but Give them a lot of credit, Tarvin. They dominated today. Yeah, they did. But let's look at the stats just a little. So, I mean, when you say dominated, they had 62 plays against 74 at Baltimore. They only had 300 yards. Maybe it's because of all those defensive touchdowns. Maybe that, that hurt their uh, their cause on that. But three turnovers by, or four turnovers by Baltimore, three picks by Flacco. I mean, I, I'm, I haven't studied the Baltimore Ravens. Do they still have a chance to get in the playoffs? 
Yeah, I mean, Baltimore certainly, I mean, you come on all the turnovers today. I mean, this team is not going to make, you know, not deserve this, or just, I mean, is not going to make the playoffs. And Tarvin, let me ask you this. I mean, the real question is, is how do you, how good do you think the Patriots are now? I mean, after this, does this win um, yeah. impress you enough to think that they're going to do something in the playoffs? Not really, Trey. I, I just think this was, Baltimore played a very bad football game. They weren't ready to play this game, which surprised me. A hardball coach team you thought would be ready to play. I mean, having a home game with a, you know, it's like a shark. You, you smell blood in the water. And it was New England, really, and they didn't do their job. But, no, I'm not any more impressed with New England than I was last week, honestly. I don't think this team can make it past one or two wins in the playoffs anyway. Probably one would be their max. So, are you impressed with them? Because I know this game was big for them, but – I just don't see anything out there that stood out and said, yeah, I'm ready to pick them as AFC champions. Well, I mean, Chandler Jones and that defense have been playing better than I, I expected them to, especially with some of the big injuries they had, um, you know, season injuring, season, you know, ending injuries. So I'm impressed with the way they, they've come together as a defense probably, and I think that might be one of the, the reasons why we're overlooking them. I think, you know, with the poor receiving core that Tom Brady has, uh, I think we're sort of overlooking the uh, defense has been playing better and forcing a lot more turnovers. They've been very good this year. Uh, so maybe maybe we're looking at that. this all wrong, Tarver. Maybe that defense is better. Hey, Tarver, can you hear me now, Trey? Yeah, yeah I, was right. I was on mute. I was on mute. I apologize. So, so let's move on to the Pittsburgh game. Pittsburgh and Green Bay, this was a must win for Green Bay, Trey, and it's just house money for Pittsburgh, really. Tell me your, your thoughts on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Why the miraculous turnaround? They started out 0-4. They won five out of seven. Why are the Pittsburgh Steelers a much better football team right now? Well, I mean, Le'Veon Bell has been a beast. I mean, this has come down to um, really two running backs sort of making their mark with them playing this game. You had you know, Eddie Lacy for the Packers, and then Le'Veon Bell, who's just been, been so good. If you watch this game, you watch really two up-and-coming running backs, I mean, and I think that's really the key. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers have always been a team uh, sort of centered around the ground-and-pound offense, and, you know, that's what they have now. Le'Veon Bell, I think he had, what, 150, something like that, rushing today, or 120, 130 with a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of offense that the Steelers need to run to be successful, and, you know, they are. I mean, that defense is playing, you know, sort of inspired football. But really, what it comes down to, Tarvin, is they have a running game, and I think it very it, that has. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger has to have that to be successful at this point in his career, and, and you know, Le'Veon Bell's giving it to him. Well, I mean, the, the Packers going at half with a fourteen to ten lead, Trey, and then the wheels came off, twenty one points in the third quarter for Pittsburgh. So I remember the discussion I believe you and I had about Pittsburgh taking Bell in the NFL draft over. Uh, Eddie Lacy, I mean, are you buying into that now, or do you still think they're crazy for picking him over Lacy? No, if you remember, I, I was big into Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I thought he was a great pick, uh, and I still think he is. Now, I thought Eddie Lacy was obviously a guy who could have gone, could have gone as well, uh, but I thought those two guys were going to be very good in the NFL, uh, and especially Le'Veon Bell, who I thought may be the best back coming out of the draft. Uh, and, you know, right now it looks like it's a Lacy Le'Veon Bell show for sure. Um, but it's going to be hard to see which one ends up, um, I guess, going the furthest, Tarvin. But, I mean, yeah, I think I'm buying Le'Veon Bell for sure. Boy, Flynn with a, with a huge turnover late in the game. I mean, how bad is this Green Bay team missing Aaron Rodgers? And, and do you know if he's going to try to play next week? Well, he's been trying to play every week, but the problem is, is he's not medically cleared, and, and that, that shoulder just isn't up to standards. I mean, they wanted him to play this week. I think if he had played this week, they win. Uh, Flynn with a, a big turnover late. But even even without that, Tarvin, they had a chance to put the ball in the end zone. And, and what does Flynn do is, again, we talked about missing, uh, the, you know, looking past the receiver. You know, there's Jordy Nelson coming across the middle in the back of the end zone, and there's an easy pass for any NFL quarterback, and he throws to the corner, um, you know, for an incomplete pass. I mean, that's just another thing that Aaron Rodgers sees that route. Uh, I think it makes that, that that touchdown. So, I mean, I think you're missing that not only from, um, you know, the standpoint, Tarvin, of, you know, turning the ball over late, which Flynn did, but also uh, with a much more efficient passing game. Uh, you know, some sources, I was reading ESPN, said that Aaron Rodgers was never close to a return trade. So it, it sounds like to me Green Bay's playing some mind games with the opponents. 
making him try to prepare and practice, you know, for him. So I, I don't think he's going to be back. I think if he was going to be back, he would already have been back. So I think this season's over for Green Bay, man. Where do they go from here? I mean, looking at the draft next year, what, what does Green Bay do to try to to make a playoff push? I mean, if Aaron Rodgers was still healthy, I mean, I, I, I guess they'd have been in the playoffs, but you never know. Right. I mean, you don't you don't know, um, but I still think that uh, that they would be with Aaron Rodgers if you look at the games they've lost. I mean, it's not exactly. Um, you know, they're not getting blown out of uh, these games. I mean, they, I think they would have won today, Tarvin. But they certainly have some line problems. They have pretty big holes in the defense to fill. Um, and, you know, the receiving core could maybe use another guy. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to keep all those guys next year. Uh, they're pretty set with Lacey and Franklin and the running back, Tarvin. Uh, but I think with this quarterback prop coming out, I think there might be a guy in the fourth or fifth round that they want to come after uh, as a quarterback, Tarvin, just to back up. Uh, Rogers, I think this year showed you that they definitely have to have uh, somebody back there um, just in case Rogers goes down. Well, Trey, uh, the next game on our list, the number three game out of six, the 9-5 Cardinals. This was a must-win for them on the road to Seattle, a place Seattle's never lost. Trey, I was so close, man. You don't believe on Sunday's show this morning I was talking about Arizona, how I felt they could go on the road and get this win, and I was surprised, honestly. I thought they could, but when I saw a 17-10 to 10 score, seeing Arizona hold Seattle on the road like that, Trey, I'm very impressed with this Arizona Cardinals team. If they get in the playoffs, they're going to be one dangerous team to reckon with. Yeah, I mean, I was, I mean, I was very shocked. I, mean, I thought they would play well defensively. I thought this would be a low-scoring game. But I certainly did not think that Arizona could go in there and sort of shock the world. And that's what they did. I mean, I think a lot of people were very surprised at how well that defense played because, I mean, Tarwin, you know, Carson Palmer turned the ball over four times. I mean, they weren't exactly doing what they needed to do on offense to win this game. It was just one of those fluky games that seems to happen from time to time. But, Tarwin, you got to give your sort of tip your hat to also that defense for the Seahawks forcing all those turnovers. I mean, Russell Wilson's first home loss since he's been in the NFL you know, this is, I, I'm not sure that I'm ready to say, Tarvin, this is one of those games that, that matter long-term unless Arizona gets in the postseason. But I think for Seattle, Tarvin, this is not one of those games that makes me you know, pause for concern. They're still the favorite in the NFC. I think this is just one of those games that seems to happen from now on again. But you got to be impressed by what the defense of the Cardinals did. Well, I'll tell you this, Trey, and, and where this comes into play, in my opinion, is, is mentally. You, you go to Seattle in the playoffs. And, and you you think about, hey, this team hasn't lost all year. They haven't lost in two years with Russell Wilson as a quarterback in Seattle. So I think now it, it kind of takes the mental block off of someone. Like if you're Carolina or if you're San Francisco, if you're Chicago or Dallas or Philadelphia, if you go to Seattle, Trey, if Arizona can do it, if Arizona can pull off a win on the road, then you can. I think this is a huge loss for Seattle. And I think it gives any other team that goes to Seattle just a little more confidence to be able to beat them there. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, Carmen. I think some people will now find them beatable. But I still think that, you know, the teams that could have beaten them in Seattle still can, uh, and they still have that confidence. Yeah, the Cardinals, I mean, who saw this coming, Trey? Who saw this record coming? A 10-5 and Cardinals team? If, if they beat San Francisco next week, Trey, they they end eleven and five, and they're going to be in the playoffs. What what has to happen besides them winning for the Cardinals to get in the playoffs? Well, I mean, they they need that because I mean, you look at the NFC, and it's not exactly. I mean, the AFC is a totally different picture. The AFC, if the Cardinals in the AFC, I mean, they would be there right now. They would they would be so locked in the playoffs, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be funny. I mean, you have. <laughs> You know Miami at eight and seven as their as their sixth seed, but right now, you know, even with this win at ten and five, Arizona is still on the outside looking in, and it's because of San Francisco and New Orleans being ahead of them. So they're going to need some help to get in, Tarvin, which is you know kind of scary. You got to think, man, they can go eleven and five, and they they still you know need help to to get in there. So if they go to eleven and five, they ever you know I think they get in, Tarvin, over. Frisco, but I mean, well, actually, no, because Frisco could still win and be 11 and four, and then so yeah, I mean, it's crazy, Tarvin. The scenario in the NFC that a 10 plus win team is going to be left out, um, 
Yeah, I just hate uh, to see that. Yeah, I do too. I mean, this team is deserving of what they've done. I mean, they haven't been able to beat a big-name team in that division, but today they did, and they're deserving. Hats off to them. But, Trey, before we move on to the next game, I just wanted to say this before I forgot about it. We're going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys as a little, you know, bonus coverage right now. But you remember – preseason, you and I picked the Dallas Cowboys to win this division, and, and man, we got laughed off this show, did we? We did. A lot of people thought that um, we were kind of crazy, uh, but I'll tell you, people who picked the Eagles are still kind of crazy, too. Uh, we thought that at the beginning of the year, but it looks like, I mean, the nest, it's, down, it's down to two, Tyron. Well, Cuervo's the only person alive that I, I know of that to pick Philadelphia, and I did laugh at that when he came in and said, you know who I'm picking? The Philadelphia Eagles, and I heard you laugh. I I heard you on the show. I did, too, Uh, but Cuervo's the only one to pick that, but we'll we'll preview that game next week. I'm sure that'll be our number one game, but if you want to call in and join us, 646-716-5564. Trey, last week, Romo took a beating uh, with that loss to Green Bay, but this week, I mean, God, how dramatic do you have to be they have, what, third and goal from the one. They lose about 10 yards on a running play. And then Romo throws a touchdown on fourth and goal, man. How crazy of a game was that today? Well, Tarvin, it's one of those games that, I mean, I think for, for all the Dallas haters, um, certainly seems to uh, be the entirely opposite of what Dallas has been doing, which is having a lead lay or having a play go entirely the opposite way for them. You know, today it went for them, and they had a. You, know, you, you saw that. I mean, tell me, Tarvin, that you didn't see what he, you know Murray got stopped, you know, and lost all those yards. You didn't think, here we go again. I mean, I think mm-hmm. we all. That. I mean, I think you just naturally thought that, and then, you know, Romo rolls out. The guy's hurting. You know, I don't know what he did to his leg, but he was clearly limping, and he throws the touchdown. <laughs> you know, and I was like, whoa, you know, then I, then I honestly, honestly thought the next my thought was that he's going to miss the PAT. Like, some, there's no way this goes down for the Dallas Cowboys the way, the way their season's been. But, you know, they, they were able to get the win and, and silence some folks, but they still have work to do, Tarvin, because if they blow it next week against the Eagles, everybody's going to come back and say, see, we told you they couldn't do anything. Hey, they're already reporting that if Dallas doesn't make the playoffs straight, this entire coaching staff is gone. I mean, and, and I want to say something about Tony Romo real quick, Trey. And I used to beat him up years back. But this guy, if the Dallas didn't have Tony Romo, Trey, they would be a, a four-win team probably. This guy doesn't give any – he doesn't get any credit, but he gets all the criticism. I mean, how fair is it to, to put the Cowboys' failures on the back of Tony Romo when he seems like the only one that does things right? Well, you know, it's funny that people do lampoon him for basically the entire team being sort of terrible at times and putting him into situations where Tony Romo has to sort of play outside of his mind to even be in the ball again. I mean, think about the Denver game earlier this year. I mean, if he didn't throw five touchdowns, they're not even anywhere near that game. Their defense was basically basically sort of olaying all of Peyton Manning's receivers and letting them down the field, and that's, that's no change from all year long. I mean, that defense, despite all that talent that you and I talked about in the draft, the trade for Brandon Carr, I mean, these guys, they're like matches out there. They just keep getting lit up left and right. I, I just, you know, I, I won't put these losses on Tony Romo because I have watched this defense being dismantled by really terrible second-string quarterbacks and really, you know, not in the top-tier offensive coordinators, and, you know, they can't stop anybody. So, you know, this is a clear defensive problem. I mean, Romo's played as well this year. To, be, to win three or four more games than they, they've won right now. So, yeah, I look at this, Tarvin, and I think, you know, maybe maybe a, a completely revamping this team might not be a bad idea because you can't put it all on Romo when you're basically playing no defense at all. I mean, how many teams in the NFL right now, if, if just say Dallas said forget it, we're getting rid of you, Tony Romo, you're out. How many teams would be calling Tony Romo tomorrow? <laughs> Well, I, I can think of a couple. I mean, I mean, maybe more than a couple. It would be a lot, Carvin. Yeah, I think it would be at least a third of the league would be all. I mean, some, some wouldn't have him because they wouldn't want to disrespect who they have. But Tony Romo is the top ten quarterback in the league, and it's not even up for discussion. I mean, this guy does more for his team than anybody out there. And I used to beat him up too, but the more I watch him play, I mean, this coaching staff is terrible. 
like you said, I've never seen a Dallas defense. They're equivalent of the Auburn defense in college when you watch them playing. I mean, it's 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 not fair to put it all on Romo, but when you get, who's a good hire out there real quick while we're on Dallas? Who's a good hire for them? I think Garrett's going regardless of what happens this year unless they go out and win the Super Bowl trade. So who's out there that could, could come to Dallas and be successful? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, Carmen. I mean, I think if, if I'm Dallas, and I know this name has been thrown around for college, but I know he's waiting on an NFL gig, Carmen. And, and I don't know why why you wouldn't do this. I mean, why not join Gruden? All right, he's, he's too comfortable in that box, making millions of dollars calling football. Uh, so, Tarwin, who's your who's your name then? Well, I mean, well, it's just tough. I thought you know Nick Saban would be a, a decent coach to give a shot to there, but I don't know. Bill Coward wouldn't put up with Jerry Jones. So, what do you think about the coach for Penn State? Yeah, his name has he just had to recent uh, restructuring of his contract to basically. Uh, his, I guess his NFL buyout was something in the neighborhood of like $17 million or something like that. I think in the New Deal it's around 6.5 or something like that, and they've even talked about renegotiating it even further down. So I think Bill O'Brien is a guy who definitely wants to go uh, to the NFL, and that's been a bad idea, Tarvin. I mean, what the guy did with, it, with Penn State has been remarkable. Yeah, Jonathan says David Shaw. But I, I just don't see David Shaw, Trey, being that coach in the NFL. Do you? Well, I mean, here's the thing: is I'd like to see him. And if I'm a if I'm an NFL owner and I'm about to get the, you know the keys to the Cadillac to somebody, uh, you know, one of the things offensively that I've always had a problem with Stanford is you know quarterback development. And you say, okay, well they had Andrew Luck. Well, yeah, of course they, he was great, um, but he wasn't. He's not a guy they had to develop. I mean, I look at the guy they have now, and he's you know Hogan. I think terrible getting developed. I think he took a big step backwards this year. So I mean, I, I want to see. Him on an offensive way, be able to. I mean, what is he going to bring to the NFL? Tarvin? I think he's a great defensive coach, um, but you just can't rely on your coordinators as much. You, you, just, you know, they, they can't do it all. Yeah, yeah, great point. So I, I think Trey, we're going to be revisiting this topic before long. Who's going to be the Dallas coach? It's going to be kind of like Texas. Who's going to be the Texas coach? So the number two game, Trey, which surprised me a little bit. Not too much. I, I did say this morning that don't be surprised if Andrew Luck went into Kansas City and won. Why did the Chiefs lay an egg at home today against a struggling Indianapolis team? Oh, I mean, Indianapolis has been one of those teams that surprises me sort of week in and week out by how well they play or how poorly they play. Uh, and if you look at the statistics in this game, it really doesn't even sort of make sense to me if how this outcome came out. I mean, Jamal Trolls, they seem to not – um, rely on him as much as I think they should. Uh, but this kind of showed some weaknesses in Kansas City's offense, Tarvin. And I, I, I wonder if this has become some sort of a blueprint for Kansas City in the postseason because I, I, the way I saw Indianapolis play on defense, Tarvin, I mean, it wasn't sort of a spectacular, but it did seem to really frustrate um, the offense for Kansas City. And I think without that sort of seamlessness of going to Jamal Charles, and especially in the passing game, they become very beatable. And let me give the call in number real quick, 646-716-5564. We'd love to hear from you if you'd like to call in and join us. But, Trey, I thought this game, and even though they had that seed locked up, I think it's very important for a Kansas City team. When you see kind of Denver with some vulnerability and injuries, I think it was very important for Kansas City to go into the playoffs with some kind of momentum. I mean, it's just not good. Now, I don't, I don't care if they've locked squad up. They need some momentum. They need to keep the ball rolling, but – Tell us about this Indianapolis Colts team. Are they a dangerous team if they get in the playoffs? It seems like they're starting to peak. Maybe it's the right time. Andrew Luck's a great quarterback, but is he enough to take this team deep into the playoffs? Well, I mean, they've, they've sort of locked up their division as well, and they're in now. They're, they're locked into the four seed, Tarvin. So it'll be interesting to see because, I mean, you look at the matchups right now. I mean, if they stay the same, I mean, the Colts and the Chiefs meet again in the first round, and then. You know, another thing I was thinking about is if the seeds stay the same, I wonder if, and I kept thinking about myself in the second half of the game, why they kept sort of staying away from Jamal Charles. I wonder if it was they were, didn't want to show their entire offense to the Colts in that game yeah. because of uh, the seeding possibilities. 
Well, if, if they're a five seed and the Colts are four, that first game's in Indianapolis. That's going to be tough for Kansas City to go into a dome on the road and win. So today, I mean, if, if they'd have beaten the Colts today, couldn't they have flopped it and gotten the four seed? No, I mean, wild card's always going to be the five, Tarvin. So, I mean, they automatically. Sure. So, it, it would have been an Indy. Yeah, my bad, my bad, my bad. Uh, but, yeah, do you think they're going to go on the road to Indy and win, though? I mean, how much confidence, if you're Indianapolis, do you have after going to Arrowhead and just laying the pipe to them? So I think Indianapolis is going to be a very confident team going into the playoffs. Yeah, and I just, but I mean, I agree with you. I just wonder if, um, you know, if it's one of those things that Kansas City didn't want to show all their cards. I think you're right, Trey. I mean, you are probably correct. They're playing each other. You're right. You don't want to give up everything. So that's a good point. Very good point right there. That's why you're the co-host of this show, man. You're so brilliant. All right. The number one game the number one game on the list, Trey, and you, you nailed it. The Panthers ten and four against the ten and four Saints. You know, two weeks ago the Panthers were embarrassed on Sunday night football in New Orleans. New Orleans the only undefeated team in the NFL at home, Trey. So being on the road, how big was this for Carolina to get to play this game at home? Sorry, Tarvin, what was that, buddy? How, how, how big was this game being able to be played in Carolina instead of in New Orleans today? <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, you've seen both these guys split. I mean, because basically, like you said, I mean, um, these two teams, uh, you know, we saw different results by who's, in the, who's hosting the game. So, you know, I think it's a big game that the rest of, you know, in Carolina in the, in the yucky weather, not inside the, you know, the nice cushy dome where Drew Brees likes to, you know, likes that perfect weather. Well, hold on. I need to correct myself. Jonathan corrected me in the chat room. The Cincinnati Bengals are seven and zero. Trey at home. So, is it me or is it the Bengals just flying under the radar, man? I don't even think about them anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think they are under the radar, Tarvin. I think in that regard of you know being so dominant at home and you know that yeah, like their matchup too, Tarvin. I mean, right now they're looking at hosting the Dolphins. I mean, I don't know, man. That looks like a pretty a pretty secure win with the way the Bengals are playing today. Hold on, Jonathan, give me another slap in the face, Trey. New England's undefeated at home. Wow. Am I just off tonight or what? Thanks, Jonathan, for correcting me in the chat room. Uh, three teams are undefeated at home. It was four until Seattle lost today. But, Trey, the Carolina Panthers, I mean, really, they went in and took care of business. After that injury to Steve Smith, it seemed like they struggled. But, I mean, what, what, what stood out to you in this game for Carolina? Well, I mean, defensively, so we talked about to start the show. It's, it was all defensively. I mean, they what they were able to do against Drew Brees, and, and it was was impressive, given the fact that you know what they had to face in the dome prior to that. And I thought they made some adjustments and let the weather sort of help them out in a lot of regards. But it's the defense. I mean, the defense is what's going to win. Yeah, and and tell tell us about Carolina. You know, like we talked about earlier, for 59 minutes they were struggling on offense, so. With 65 yards left to go in one minute, how was Cam Newton? I know you said he was able, you know, to look off receivers this time, but what what else was the cause of them being able to move the ball? Do you think New Orleans really started panicking a little bit, thinking, oh, God, here we go, they have the ball? Because Cam Newton didn't look like he had any ability to get a first down, much less drive 65 yards and get a touchdown. Well, I mean, yeah, I thought they really played um, lackadaisical on defense in the last drive. It's the, you know, sort of why people don't run uh, the cover two and that kind of stuff. They they really they didn't run the cover two exclusively in that drive, Tarvin. But what they did do is I thought laid off Camp Newton quite a bit and, and sort of played back and let him sort of have time and throw the ball down the field. And I just think that's a mistake for any talented quarterback. I mean, Cam Newton was like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll take that and then he went down the field and beat him. Yeah, so big, big for Carolina. Where, where do the Saints go from here? Just say if they, they get a wild card and, and you know, they'll, they'll probably get to host round one in New Orleans, but where do you see this team in the playoffs? Are they good enough to make a deep run of being on the road for the majority of it? Well, I mean, if they're, if they're, they're going to not host their home game, Tarvin, because I mean, the Eagles uh, and even the Bears at the postseason will host the wild card game. So, and that's the thing about the 49ers and the Saints, Tarvin, is you have to win your division to host a game. And right now the Panthers are looking at the second seed, and, you know, the Saints are looking at the sixth seed. 
uh, having to travel to the Eagles, by the way. So, I mean, that's a totally different ball game. This is a huge loss for the Saints, who are a yeah. totally dominant team at home and a totally beatable team on the road. Yeah, I mean, that could be the difference of, you know, being a two-seed, being at home, making the NFC Championship game, to being kicked out on your face in the first round wild-card weekend. So I don't see the Saints team, Trey. I, don't, I just don't think they're that good, to be honest with you, watching them today. I don't think Carolina's that great either. But, I, I mean, I, I think they're a lot better than they have been. But New Orleans laid an egg today, and now I think they realize it's over unless the Carolina Panthers just screw up next weekend against Atlanta on the road, the Saints are going to have a short playoff. So, so Trey, anything else in the NFL you want to talk about? No, man, you hit it all. The only other thing is we talked about the collapse of the Lions, but we'll see who wins the North next weekend. It'll, it'll be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Well, you know, bowl season is here, Trey, and I don't know if you were wowed last night or yesterday with all the great games we had. But Washington State against Colorado State yesterday, man, uh, disappointing. I picked Washington State to win this game, and how in the world did they lose that game in two minutes? Yeah, I mean, the, they, I mean, they fumbled the, the game away in sort of every contact, so the multiple fumbles. Um, you know, and this, to be honest, what I really wanted to say about this game, Tarvin, is this is the reason why. And the, the, you'll, we'll, we'll look back as I'm keeping track of the playoff. Um, or excuse me, the bowl season and, and how conferences do, this loss is going to hurt the Pac-12 overall. We talk about playoff performance, in the, or excuse me, performance in the bowl games, Tarvin, because, I mean, the Washington State team should not have lost this game, and, you know, to, to a really sort of poor Colorado State team. How bad is your conference if, if two of your teams played on the first day of bowl games? I mean, Southern Cal plays and <laughs> Washington State trade. That's not a good sign for the Pac-12. Well, I mean, they usually play this early. I mean, it's kind of the, the way the bowls and, you know, their they're sort of their buy-ins and their you know, contract agreements are with. I mean, obviously USC being ranked playing this early, it kind of sucks. But, I mean, USC took care of business. They blew out, you know, you know a car, you know, who's getting all this hype for the NFL. You know, the president of state was ranked, and, you know, USC went out and just blew them out. Where, you know, Washington State, who a lot of people thought were it was a pretty decent football team, um, and they were, you know, going to win a football game until, you know, sort of disaster struck. And, you know, unfortunately for Washington State and for the Pac-12, it's a big loss. Well, I need to talk to you about this game. Sarkeesian, the new coach of Southern Cal for 2014, Trey, said he's going to go back again and ask Ed Orgeron to come back on the staff. Do you think this is a smart move, being a new coach coming in? You're going to bring back a, a, a play, or a coach, really, that the players – you know, like, and it seems like they were playing for. Do you think this is smart? This could cause maybe some some internal issues with the coaches and the team, actually, if he came back. So is Sarkeesian just talking trash, maybe just trying to be politically correct out there, or do you really think he's going to try to get it? Well, I think he was so popular with some of the players. I think it might be true. I mean, but the thing is, is, you know, do we think that, I mean, here's the thing is, do you think that Edward Geron is going to get a major college football coaching job next year? I, I don't. Uh, I no. think he may get a mid-range or a low level if he wants to go to the MAC or Conference USA. I mean, but he just came from the Pac-12, Tarvin. I mean, does he really want to take that step back, or does he want to be an offensive coordinator and a sort of assistant head coach uh, for a year or two at USC and then jump to a big program? I mean, I think that's more likely – to me, than saying getting an SEC job or a Pac-12 job or an ACC or Big Ten job. I mean, I just don't see Ed Ogeron being a guy right now who's that marketable. I think after that job at Ole Miss he did, I don't think he'll ever have a head coaching job at a major, major school. So he could get in there and coach in Arkansas State or, or somebody like that. I just don't think a bigger school is going to take a chance on him right now. But you look at Southern Cal yesterday, they shut down the run, held Fresno to 37 yards. They made cards. I mean, how bad was his draft stock hurt? Jonathan brought it up in the chat room that it just plummeted. What do you think about the NFL now uh, with cards? What, 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 what round do you think he fell to? Well, I think, I think he's going to be drafted, obviously, but I think you're, he's not going to be in the first two rounds. I mean, I think he might be a good value at four. I think he's still a pretty good – 
uh, prospect, and I'm not saying he's a guy who's locked, Harvin, but I'm thinking if you take him in the fourth round and you're, say, Green Bay, I mean, he's worth a shot to be your backup and seeing what he matures. But if you're taking him to be, you know, the next starter for the Cleveland Browns or for the New York Jets, I mean, that's a no-go. Well, well, this game for Southern Cal yesterday, and, and I look at bowl games for teams like Southern Cal with a new coach coming in. They they didn't meet expectations this year, Trey. How big was this bowl win for them to kind of get them going into the next year? Because they looked fired up yesterday and ready to play. They, they I think they're trying to send a message for next year. You know what's crazy about that, Tarvin, is, 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 is all of USC's ups and downs and what we talk about you know, how poorly they've, they've done this year. They won 10, what, 10 games, Tarvin? Am I right on that? 10 games? I mean, yeah, think about yeah, that. Yeah, we yeah, have 10 games, but they did play 14, Trey. They had that extra game playing Hawaii. Yeah, I mean, even with that, I mean, you're right. I mean, you can discount a little bit because of that. But it's still a season that USC, I mean, I think – um, beginning of the year, I think maybe I had them eight wins, maybe nine wins, I think, if I'm correct. I mean, so they, they overmet expectations, even playing 14 games. Um, so I think it's something they can build off of for sure. And with recruiting the way it is at USC, Tarvin, I mean, I'd be really surprised that they weren't top five, top ten recruiting class to build off of. Yeah, yeah that's a great point. I mean, you, at the end of the day, you, you had a meltdown, you lost your coach, you hired another coach, and all of a sudden you have a 10-win season. So if you're Southern Cal, you have to build off this. The sanctions have been lifted. They can recruit. They can they can get their numbers back. But, Trey, I think they're going to be in contention for the Pac-12 next year. I think that's how quick they're going to be able to turn around. Sarkeesian is a good coach, Trey, and I think he's the perfect fit right now. Yeah, I'm still going to be interested in who their defensive coordinator is. Sorry, I still have sort of vast concerns defensively for this team, not only talent-wise, but also from a coordinator standpoint. I think offensively you saw that it took very, very little uh, once you got rid of Kiffin to make these guys an offense who are very talented um, basically start working again. I mean, they, they, weren't, they were broken for some sort of reason, you know, in Kiffin. Uh, and I think you saw their defense, while bad, how bad it is. Well, they, they got rid of Monte Kiffin, they gave him the Dallas Cowboys, and now they can't stop anybody. So, you know, I mean, this this came down to Kiffin, you know, with, no matter who you say who he is, their defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, um, the head coach. I mean, you got rid of Kiffin's Tarvin, and this team's going to start being better, I mean, without a doubt. They just need to bring in some good coordinators and some good uh, receiver coaches, things like that, Tarvin, and this team is going to be the USC of old pretty quickly. Well, Jonathan brought it up in the chat room. USC is the first team to win 10 games with three different coaches in the same season. That's, that's pretty remarkable. <laughs> That's interesting, I guess. Yeah, but I, I don't know about you, Trey, but I don't want to talk about Lafayette or Buffalo or any of those teams. So in the next couple of minutes before we go and we head out, tell us about some of these upcoming bowl games. And it doesn't have to be Christmas. It could be New Year's. Yeah, you know, Trevor, I will say just real quick, make sure you post uh, your, your victory results uh, on our webpage or excuse me, our Facebook page so we know who won the pick them this year. There's still two games left, Tarvin. I won't talk about East Carolina, but I do want to mention one game, Tarvin, Pac-12 at Boise State coming up. Uh, I haven't made my pick online, so I wanted to pick it on the show. I just want to let you know, I'm picking Oregon State, Tarvin. I'm really concerned what Boise is going to look like without Chris Peterson there. Uh, I think Oregon State and Mannion, who's playing for draft status, will, will look real good for the Pac-12 on Tuesday, Tarvin. So I uh, just wanted to get your opinion on that one. Did I not pick that game? I guess I did. You may have. Um, you may have. Sorry, I don't know. Well, I'm picking Oregon State just to let everybody know what I'm putting it on there right now. Uh, Oregon State, you're right. Without Chris Peterson there, I just, I just really don't think that that they're going to have a shot. Oregon State is not a bad football team, Trey. I just think Boise State right now, they're done. They didn't meet their expectations. You know, always right now, BCS bowls what they're looking for and they're just not going to get it right now. But I'm going to tell you what I'm looking forward to, Trey, is once all these December 27th games get out of the way and looking on the 28th, I mean, Michigan, Kansas State, I'm ready for the New Year's Day Bowls or the New Year's, at least New Year's Eve. Let's let's move it to that. Um, there's some bad bowls this year, it seems like to me, but when we get to New Year's Day, we're going to have a lot to discuss. When do you want to start doing their bowl breakdown? Uh, I know we're not going to do a show Christmas night. 
sorry, but I'll be with the family, Trey. I know you want to do one, but <laughs> do you want to do one next Sunday night and just go through the bowls? Yeah, I'll, I'll keep posting them online, uh, you know, every Wednesday, and if you know, we'll we'll get to ones that are ahead of us, I guess, Tarvin, uh, and we'll we'll stay, we'll do it that way. Because you're right, there's going to be some holidays in here that we're going to want to spend time with the fam, uh, and obviously, no one else is going to want to listen when they're spending time with their family. But keep up with our Facebook page. Everybody, I will post the pick them, you know, by every Tuesday or Wednesday each week uh, for bragging rights and that kind of stuff, and obviously to co-host the show with us. So, uh, Tarvin, let me ask you this. Um, you talk about all the New Year's Day. Let's talk about the National Championship game for a quick second, Tarvin. Oh, okay? I was proud to. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously you're in my team. I've seen the enormous amount of ridiculous trash come out of both camps, Tarvin. So let me ask you this. What looking at this game, what do you think? What for you is the big the big breakout moment? What do you what do you expect from this game? I expect some. I don't expect as much scoring as people are talking about. But but one thing I expect from this game is it's just a great game, Trey, and and it's great matchups. I mean, you have a great Florida State defense that to me they haven't been tested this year like they're going to be tested against Auburn. Well, you have a Florida State offense that is just amazing. And you have an Auburn defense that wasn't so good this year, Trey, in a month to prepare maybe uh, to get some of these injuries healed up, to get them and coach better. Auburn has some good coaches, Trey. So what I'm looking for in this game is a better performance out of the defense of Auburn. If, if we're not talking about Auburn's defense, after this game, Auburn got beat. So I think our defense has to play good, Trey. Let me ask you this. I mean, what do you make of – I mean, here's – uh, I guess one of the things that, that you know Florida State fans keep hearing from you know is that you know you're in the, they're an ACC team. Um, does that make any difference to you looking at this game where Florida State comes from, or do you think that this is legitimate? Because the way I look at it, Terminator, I think this could be one of the best games we've seen, and I think the BCS era is going to end on a huge high note. This game is going to be. I, I think Tarvin had nail biter down to the very end. I think this is going to be a really really good game. Well, I'll tell you this about the ACC. They're, they're better than they have been, but I don't look at it like that as much. I look at it as Florida State hasn't played the, the tougher schedule of the two, but when I watch Florida State play, they have annihilated everyone. It's not like they're beating Maryland and, and Clemson and Wake Forest and Boston College by a field goal or something. Uh, I'm seeing just total domination. So, I think when you get in the fourth quarter, Trey, and it's a tight game, if it's a tight game, I favor Auburn because they've been in four-quarter games. For Florida State, Trey, let's be honest, they haven't played four quarters this year. They they really ran away with most of their games by the fourth quarter. So you tell me, if this is a fourth-quarter game, who do you favor? That's a very interesting point. I mean, I think if it's a fourth-quarter game, the reason I like Florida State is because of the kicker. I mean, you got a, a guy who's – um, basically can put, you know, he's, he's not Sebastian Janikowski, you know, 2.0, but he's a young kicker who's been very, very good. He's been very accurate all year long, but you're right. There hasn't been a pressure situation for Florida State down at the end of the game, and that's one of the things that you have to look at as a potential advantage for Auburn. That's a great point. Well, I'll tell you one thing that concerns me is, is if you look at the SEC this year and the defenses, even Alabama, they had their weaknesses on defense in the secondary. Georgia, a lot of young players. Missouri is a good defense, but you look at Florida State, when I watch them play, they have no weaknesses on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, their secondary is second to nine. Their linebackers are good. The defensive line can get pressure. Trey, this game is going to be awesome to watch. Anything can happen. It's kind of hard. Every time I try to break it down and give, uh, you know, try to give an advantage to Auburn or Florida State, I could easily switch it. But the kicking game is very important in this. Special teams. I mean, Trey, this is a, a, going to be a good game. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Florida State won by a couple of touchdowns. I wouldn't be surprised if Auburn won by a couple of touchdowns. That's what kind of game we have. You have two teams that are capable of exploding. But one thing I'll give Florida State is their advantage on defense, and that's something that worries me as an Auburn fan is if, what, if, what if we come out flat? What if we come out slow and we can't run the ball? Can Nick Marshall – throw the ball, Trey. Can he throw enough to beat a Florida State team with all that talent? 
Yeah, and Kenny throw enough to not throw picks. I mean, one of the things too is you have a, you know, an all, an, you know, an, an all-American uh, out there, Florida State secondary, and Lamarcus Joyner, who's a ball hawk. You know, is he mm-hmm. going to be spy? You know, who, and the other thing too, Tarvin, is is I think Florida State has to spy uh, a Marshall. I think they're going to have to because of the way they run that that option and the way they trade. You know, the way uh, Trey Mason runs. I think they're going to have to be disciplined. And one of the things Jonathan mentioned in the chat room is Florida State's linebackers have a tendency to bite on play action. And so if you do that, you need a guy who's going to spy on Marshall because the guys. I mean. Nick Marshall, I don't know what he runs, I don't know what his 40 time is, but I know the guy looks pretty darn fast running down the football field. So, you know, that's one of the things Florida State's going to have to be very disciplined on. And the other thing, Tarvin, I think, you know, when you talk about this game and breaking it down, and this is where I think, you know, I, I don't put much stock into it, but it's the layoff. You know, people talk about, you know, who the, who hurts the worst on the layoff. Well, I mean, one of the things that we saw with, you know, with Jameis Winston, you know, his first football game against Pitt, you know, he came out and looked very, very sharp in that game. So, I, you know, I don't think the layoff hurts Winston at all. Uh, and I don't know, you know, I don't know enough about Auburn's offense, Tarvin. Do you think the layoff hurts that offense at all? Uh, I mean, I don't think so because, Trey, it's not uh, a gimmicky offense. It's not a passing team. So, if Auburn was a passing team, I would be more concerned. But because they can just pin their ears back and run the football, you know, and just play smash mouth, I think that will help them get in the rhythm and – and then Nick, Nick Marshall's fast, Trey. That's one thing about him. He's very deceptive how fast he is, how he can hit the edge. And I don't know if Marshall can get the edge on Florida State. That's going to be huge because when Auburn's at their best, Trey, Nick Marshall's able to run around the edge. Just like when you watch Missouri and you watch Alabama, I mean, he's, he's a force to be reckoned with. And this is going to be a great game. And, and the coaching aspect of it is, is huge. I like Jimbo Fisher. This is his first time in a game like this, but – the defensive coaches for or for Florida State trade came from Alabama, so they have experience in these national championship kind of games, these big games. And look at Malzahn. He was there in 2010 and some of these players. So who do you favor in the coaching matchup, really? Well, I mean, you know, I don't know. I, to be honest, I mean, both these guys are pretty much unproven when it comes to this spotlight. I mean, yeah, Malzahn was there as a coordinator in 2010, but, I mean, Fisher is really, I mean, he was there at Auburn as a, you know, back when they went undefeated. He was an Auburn guy back then. I mean, but, you know, he hasn't had this kind of spotlight either, Carvin, especially less than Miles on has. So, I mean, it may be the first guy to blink. And I got to tell you, Carvin, I mean, I think you give Miles on a little bit of edge there. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was drinking some water. You, you got me too quick. But, Trey, we're going to break down this game in the future. And, I mean, we're going to really break this game down everything on the line. If you look at kicking, you have to give it to Florida State right now. But I want to ask you one thing about Jimbo. Say he wins the national championship or he loses it, either one. Is he Florida State's coach next year, Trey? The rumor is, and this is a rumor, I have no sources, that Texas is very hot on Jimbo Fisher, and that's why the talks are quiet right now. Because as soon as that game's over, he's going to Texas. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, even if he loses the game, Carmen, I mean, do you really walk away from a Heisman-winning quarterback? And, I mean, I you have – I mean, I, I just don't see that even being a possibility. I mean, if he leaves, Tarvin, that would be one of the best coaching positions for anybody in the country. I mean, Florida State becomes be- a better job than really Texas because, I mean, we have a Heisman-winning quarterback who's at least there for another year and just blue-chip prospect everywhere when you look around there. I mean, Jimbo Fisher has been great about – you know, sort of maturing quarterbacks, and that's one of the great legacies he's had at Florida State already is he's got two first-round draft picks at quarterback. But, I mean, you got to think, Carvin, I mean, I think I would take the team with a guy who's won the Heisman Trophy coming back in history. Well, I mean, look, I mean, I don't, and I might be crazy, Trey, but I don't think Texas is much better of a job in Florida State. I mean, look at the location. Look at the recruits they can get in Florida. I mean, he, he's built this back up. And I just don't think he'd want to leave. You don't leave Winston behind with another year or two left. Uh, you don't find kids like this around every year. So he would be foolish, in my opinion, to go try to, to get Texas back to their winning ways when, you know, when he's at Florida State and he can recruit SEC talent there at Florida State and with anybody. I mean, I've never seen a recruiter like, like Jimbo Fisher, the way he can go out and get anybody he wants. And there's a lot of competition there, Trey, with Miami on the rise, 
with uh, Les Chap at Florida. So you know Jimbo Fisher is one of the best recruiters in the country to be able to do what he's done at Florida State. Yeah, I mean, here, here's the real problem for Florida State when you talk about keeping Jimbo Fisher over Texas. It really comes down to not necessarily the money when it comes to um, you know coaching salary because Florida State will just match whatever Texas offered. The same, the same you know, for many, many other schools. Problem really comes down to with, with not only facilities, but it, the, the amount of money that the boosters have at Texas is is just ridiculous high. I mean, that, that's the real difference. Carbon is just the other thing, the accoutrement that Texas has mm-hmm. it comes down to facilities and raising money. I mean, Florida State's actually had a very difficult time with make, getting new facilities and raising money in that regard. So that's that's kind of one of the things I know Fisher's had a problem with with Florida State is the endowment. So that that could be the issue there, Tarvin, and that's the one weakness Florida State really has had is the money from the endowment and the facilities. So, I mean, of course our facilities aren't, aren't bad at all, but, the, you know, we include what Texas and Alabama can do with their money, facilities-wise, they're yeah. different. Yeah, Jonathan made a good point. He said today when Jimbo was asked about it, uh, he just said he wasn't going to talk about it. He didn't say no. He said at Florida State, he just said he wouldn't talk about it, and that's, that sounds kind of – Bad if you're a Florida State fan, but I want to throw one thing out before we go, Trey, and you can think about it for our next show, and you can tell me what you think about it now, but Damian Craig, Auburn's wide receivers coach, he's the guy that recruited a lot of that Florida State team. He recruited Jameis Winston. He has a good relationship with Winston. So going through the preparation, who knows Florida State better than Damian Craig does over there, and how how does that really impact the preparation for Auburn? You want me to think about that over the break or now? Now, just go go ahead now. All right. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is, is a lot of these coaches sort of know each other, and that's, a, that's a, obviously a weakness. Um, but I mean, I think it's strength on strength at this point. I mean, you don't really care what Damian Craig knows. I mean, can't, he's not the guy playing defense. I mean, I think you go out there, he may know tendencies, he may know this or that, but it's going to be best on death. And I think when it comes down to it, you know, you got to just put your Faith and that Winston's best and you know Calvin Benjamin's best is going to be better than all you know the secondary for Auburn and I think you got to just match strength on strength and hope that you can you know somehow keep Trey Mason and Nick Marshall from running all over you. Yeah, I mean, but what a phenomenal national championship game we had January 6th. We have some great other bowls, Trey. You know, Stanford, Michigan State. That'll be a game you'll be watching, I'm sure, glued to the TV. Alabama, Oklahoma. Clemson, Ohio State's interesting. So we have some some big matchups to talk about. I can't wait to break those games down. But, but Trey, Jameis Winston and Damian Craig, I mean, Craig's like a father figure to him. So I just want you to think about how that how that would be, all the emotions running through it. He is a freshman and a redshirt freshman, and I don't care. He, he's looked like a, a junior or a senior all season long, Trey. But what, would it surprise you if Winston looked like a freshman in the national championship game? Well, he looked like a freshman at times against Duke, so I mean, uh, it's it, it's you know, it's possible. Yeah, but he's also looked like a, a grown man in another game, so it's going to be fun to see. But if the SEC, say if Auburn loses this, what does that what does that say? I mean, for the SEC, does that? I mean, how long will it be? Well, I guess I want to ask you: Will you ever see a run again where a conference wins seven national championships in a row if Auburn lost this one? I mean, anything's possible. I mean, the SEC, if they lose this game, it doesn't mean the conference isn't, you know, still dominant. And, I mean, it's still the best conference in the land. This means they lost to a better team. And that's that's all that means. It means that, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't look too much into the trend if Auburn loses, if, I, if I'm at another conference. I mean, you still need to go out there and do it the next year and the next year. So, I mean, it, it, you know, I'm not a, a conference guy, as you well know, Tarvin. I don't, I don't look at it that way uh, because, you know, if you look at it, that way, I think you're missing the point on recruiting. Um, if you're an if you're an SEC fan, and or if you're an Alabama fan or LSU fan, and you think that Auburn winning a national championship is great for the SEC, uh, you're, you're gonna you're gonna you're not gonna be so happy when they're stealing all your recruits come February signing day. Uh, so I think you know people get really stupid at times rooting for their conferences. I'd much rather um, see Clemson and Miami lose their bowl games and let's steal their recruits. I mean that's just the way I am, but. Um, maybe if you're an Alabama fan, you can root for, for Auburn and Auburn is going to go and steal your recruits. That's what's going to happen. Well, Trey, what, what do you say to Alabama fans out there that said they're the best team in the country? They deserve to be in this game, not Auburn. 
Well, I mean, you got to beat Auburn first, right? Thank you. Thank you. So, so th- th- there is still hope, and you better be careful, Trey, because if Florida State wins this game and beats Auburn, Alabama could try to claim that national championship, at least half of it. You better be careful. Well, Tarvin, I've already heard that Nick Saban and, and Alabama Crimson Tide might be act the game anyway, and they just break out of the stands and play the winner. Yeah. <laughs> right in the parking lot, man. They're, they're, no, it's not going to be on the field. It's going to be in the parking lot, baby. But, uh, yeah. but I, I, just think it's, I just think it's funny how, how you hear, oh, if Florida State beats Auburn, that means Alabama, you know, at least number two, they're the second-best team in the country, which – I don't think that's what that means, Trey. I think the top two teams in the country are playing, and what, no matter what the polls say, I think right now they're playing the top two. They're playing like the top two teams in the country. So, winner. I mean, if Auburn loses, I still think they're the second best team in the country right now. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think if, if Florida State loses, I think for sure you're going to see Alabama. If they win, uh, move to number two. I mean, but you know, you can't have a two-loss team at number two. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, so so if Florida State loses to Auburn, Alabama will claim that championship because they should have beaten Auburn. That was a lucky play to end the Iron Bowl. So watch out, guys. Alabama's going for their 18th championship. I should get some calls next week. Yeah, I hope so. Well, Trey, everybody out there listening, thanks for joining us late tonight. And uh, have a Merry Christmas. Christmas is Wednesday. Have time with your families and Trey. I guess we'll we'll meet together again next Sunday night. All right, buddy. We'll see you then. All right. Everybody, take care. We'll see you Sunday. Um,